Welcome to Food Bites with Sarah Patterson and Kevin Hillier. Hello and welcome to Food Bites with Sarah Patterson, the podcast that's absolutely storming the nation. Well, it's overwhelming and I'm overwhelmed by this week's guest, Kevin. Quite overwhelmed. We have a world-renowned psychic medium on the show. Can I just say, there's a bit of a buzz around the Food Bites office. Do we have an office? Our kitchen um, (laughs) this week because... Uh, yes, the guest was something that uh, that actually uh, sort of stirred you up a little bit in in some ways. John Edward, he has uh, a gazillion followers online, and for good reason. Yes, we said John Edward. Yes, John Edward's <laughs> on Food Bites. For those of you just going, what? You might John remember Edward? him uh, from uh, Crossing Over in yes. the day, but he's coming out here and uh, touring, I believe, in uh, October and he'll, November. He'll be here at the end of October and all through November, touring in uh, the major capital cities and some regional places as well. Just uh, to explain to uh, connecting people with their departed uh, loved ones, oh, and yeah. it can be quite compelling, quite overwhelming. I know I've used that that word a million times, but uh, it's pretty powerful stuff. Oh, it is. Uh, absolutely. He's a psychic medium. As I said, he'll be here at the end of October through November. Tickets uh, are available now for the shows and uh, they're at all all the different, uh, all the regular ticket mm. agencies, but they're all different in each each state depending on where you're listening. But uh, most interesting man, you're going to find out some very interesting <laughs> things. It's going to blow your mind. Yeah, some really... Yeah, uh, Kevin, we all have psychic ability. We just need to tune into it. Yes. So we'll find out about all that. And also our food poll uh, this time round on Food Bites oh. is... A little bit different. A big thank you to Lisa for the idea for this Spent week. Spent a lot of time in the uh, confectionery aisle. They're round with holes in the middle. They're cheesels versus burgerings. What a great Cheezels contest. Cheesels and burgerings. Welcome to the nutritional capital of the world. Might come down to which ones fit better on your fingers <laughs> yeah, okay. when you're mucking around. We'll get to all that very shortly with our food poll, but uh, let's get to our guest this week. Uh, and you can check out uh, all the details about his tour and all that on johnedward.net. But let's get to the man himself right now. You're listening to Food Bites with Sarah Patterson and Kevin Hillier. John, welcome back to Australia. Australian audiences, it's, there's no doubt we, we absolutely love you here. And the feeling's mutual. You love Australia? I, I Listen, I love Australia so much. My dog's name is Sydney. <laughs> yeah, but the other dog's name is Lucky. It should be Melbourne. <laughs> I know, but it doesn't have the same ring to it. <laughs> John, um, what what do you like most about Australia? I mean, this is a food podcast. Um, I'm interested to know, are there any local uh, culinary delights or foods that you've stumbled upon that you like that you don't get back home? Yes, the meat and wine company. Pure and simple. I absolutely love the chicken skewers that are at at the meat and wine company and any type of chicken skewers that are here. Oh, Okay. Is the kitchen a happy place for you? Is it a place where you can go and get away from from all all the rest of the other bits of your life? So the kitchen to me represents family. Um, I grew up in a very Italian household, and my grandmother, I lived in her house, and my grandmother had arthritis. So every Sunday when she needed to cook for the big family meal, um, she would say, I need your hands. Come come do this for me. Come open this can. Come crack the egg. Come, come make the meatballs. And you know, I would complain as a kid and, oh my God, am I ever so grateful and thankful for the opportunity to have her memories in my head to be able to do that. And then I've imparted that to my my kids, my son, my daughter. So now they are making the generational things that I made growing up. They're able to do that. So I think there's nothing, there's nothing more that says family than to be able to cook with love for someone and sit down and share a meal 
I think Australians look um, at America with a sense of uh, envy, John, given uh, you have so many traditions that we, we don't, uh, Thanksgiving being uh, being one of them. You grew up in uh, Long Island, uh, New yes. York. What, what are your memories of those types of celebrations? Um, not enjoying those types of foods. Like oh. I was a kid growing up thinking like I absolutely despise turkey and stuffing and all of the other stuff. So they used to have to make me Italian food for Thanksgiving. But usually Thanksgiving in an Italian household is all day grazing. So it was never one just big meal. It like literally started in the morning while you were cooking. It just went all through the night to the point that by the end of the day, it was like eating what they would call fenouk or fennel and yeah. chestnuts that were roasted. And it was just a whole big all day, all literally all day eating. Are you a fussy eater, John? I am a fussy eater. Are you getting that? Are you picking that up? <laughs> we are. Yes, I'm, I'm a very fussy eater, but I like what I like. I've expanded my palate since I've gotten older. <laughs> well, let's go back to, to childhood, uh, John. I know you've been asked this question many times, but just to set the scene, you, you discovered at a very early age, uh, you, you had psychic abilities, um, well, that were deemed special by, by uh, your family. I did. Um, my mom would tell me all the time, I had a very vivid imagination and that I would say all these like wild and crazy things and that my dreams were more like movies than actual dreams and that I would see stuff. And one of the things that I used to see all the time as a kid, which by the way was not fun, was I would see a wolf in my room and we lived in the city on the second floor in an apartment. And my mom would look at me and be like, there's no wolves in Queens. Like you need to like, you know, you're not getting in our bed. You're not sleeping in our bed. You got to stay in, in your bed. And I was really not trying to get into their bed. I was just, I was seeing it. Like I would see it in my room and it would make me uncomfortable because all the villains of the nursery rhymes growing up was the big bad wolf. So why was I seeing that? Did I later learn from a shaman that that was apparently my spirit animal? Yes. But that didn't help me at five. You know, it helped me at 30. So mm -hmm. Um, but I had a lot of moments like that. I knew stuff. Like I remember one time we were in a department store and I said, we have to get home. We have to get home. Phyllis is waiting for us. And my mom went, Phyllis lives in Florida. I'm like, no, no, she's waiting for us. She's waiting for us. And we had moved from one apartment to another. And my cousin Phyllis flew up to surprise the family. And she went to our old apartment and she didn't know where we were. So I made my mom drive from this department store called Maze past our old apartment. And there was my cousin Phyllis. And she was like, how did you know that? So I had a lot of those like freaky moments as a kid, as a child that I can look back on. Who, who did that freak out more, you or your parents? I think, I don't think it really freaked out my mom. I, I mean, I was just looking for understanding. Like I have a very logical, analytical, little bit of an OCD kind of a thing going on. So I was always like, why, why, why? Like, how did that happen? Why would I know that? How, how does that work? But I, I did that with religion too. Like I would sit in mass on Sunday and I would like listen to the stories and I'd go, but hold on. Uh -huh. Wait, two of every animal on a boat, like one boat. And like, how is that possible? Like mm -hmm. I've, I was always the questioning person. Um, so I don't know if it would, I don't know if it really freaked people out or if they tuned me out while I was talking, to be honest. So how did you uh, end up harnessing that, John? So my dad was a New York City police officer who's a career army guy. And his rule was, I, I want to make sure my son's not around any of that crap. And what that meant was, when my mom's side of the family had psychics come to the house and astrologers and doing seances and they did a lot of this like during the year my my dad said i am like setting my foot down like i don't want him around that but when i was 12 13 my mom and dad divorced we moved into my grandmother's house it was already happening there um and i 
I kind of adopted my dad's philosophy. Like this was not real. And this was something that the ladies do to pass their time kind of a thing. Um, and don't, don't feed into any of that nonsense. And then one woman came, her name is Lydia Clark and Lydia blew everybody out of the water. Like it was just like, everybody was coming out of the room, like blown away. So my cousin said, you have to go. And I was like, no, nah, I'm good. And she goes, I'll pay for you to go, just go. So I shot my mom a look like, can I? And my mom looked at me like, I'll let you, but you bet you better treat her with respect. I said, I'll treat her with respect, but I ain't helping her like the rest of you. <laughs> and this woman changed my life. She was so accurate with the information that she gave me. And part of the information was that I had this ability and that she was there that day to meet me and that I was supposed to do all this other kind of work. And, and that, that really wasn't what I focused on. I focused on the last part of the reading. And there was the last part that freaked me out because I would have had to have been with her or she would have had to have been with me to know the things that she knew. And they weren't general. They were very specific things to my life, my friends, um, a girl that I was interested in. And she told me the outcomes and then it all happened. Like it happened in a way that was not logical. So my logical brain went to the place of, I need to understand how she did this. And that sent me to study. And I started studying about psychic stuff. And then I realized I had been doing it my entire life. For those who, who don't embrace it or find it very hard to embrace it, I guess I'm talking about the, the skeptics. Um, from your point of view, I mean, I, I imagine you, you've come up against thousands of those. Mm, uh, what, what do you say to those people? I think they serve a purpose, right? Because I want everybody to be a critical thinker and I want everybody to be skeptical. I don't want people to be cynical because cynical means that nothing's possible and you miss things. So I think being cynical is bad overall. But I think skeptical is very healthy and I think needed in 2023. There's been, there's so much misinformation in the world, right? Whether it be about science, um, healthcare, politics, you name it. And I'm sure you guys encounter it in the food world where people like, you know, everything is air frying now as opposed to something else, right? And then you have the, the new and improved pan, but nobody realizes that you don't need 27 of the same pans. You just <laughs> need really good ones, right? So it's like, how, how do you, how do you educate people? Well, you educate people by them questioning. You educate them by being skeptical. You educate them by going, I'm, an, I'm a seeker and explorer. So I think being skeptical is healthy, but being cynical is something that I think is not healthy. It's a gift that you you can turn off. I've seen you say that you actually can turn off. Otherwise, it would obviously would drive you nuts. Yeah, and I also kind of like alleviate the word gift from it, for me mm -hmm. personally. Yeah. I, I like to say that it's an ability. You know, and it's an ability where I, I've worked at it and the connection is the gift. And to bring it back to food, I said to my wife during lockdown, I said, you are an amazing like cook. I go, you're so amazing at this. And she goes, I'm not, I can just read. Yeah. And I said to her, I go, what do you mean? She goes, my philosophy is if you can read, you can cook. She <laughs> goes, if somebody's giving you the information, she goes, and you follow what they're saying. She was like, and you, you know, you don't go too, too far from the path, then you could learn. That's how I. That's how I cook, and I was like, "Well, you're doing a great job, <laughs> John." You call it an ability. If is there on some level, do you think? Um, do we all have an ability? But is it a matter of we we don't uh, tune into it? I guess. I believe that is the absolute bullseye answer to your question. I think everybody has intuition, and I think it's heightened at different times of our lives, right? So. Um, when a young lady is, you know, going through puberty, I think that it's very heightened at that point. I think when a woman is going through menopause, I think it's very, very heightened at that period of time. Oh, good. I think, I think when a woman is, <laughs> I think when a woman is pregnant, I think it's also heightened during that period of time. So very specifically, I'm saying that because of what is called women's intuition, 
Like, why do they call it women's intuition? I just gave you three reasons as to the why, because there's a change in the electromagnetic chemistry and hormones in the body, which can affect every aspect of the person. Now, for a man, men go through cycles energetically in the same way that a woman does, although not in the same physiological way. We still go through shifts and changes. The way we approach them is more of a cerebral kind of a way. So when someone's having an intuitive moment to something, it's less feeling-based, reactionary to the physical body and a gut instinct and a feeling, and more logical and analytical of, oh, I'm seeing this, hearing this, feeling this. What is that? Let me question it. Oh. If if we want to explore it, uh, John, are there ways? What what should we what should we be doing if we want to become more attuned to it? I think it's like spiritual fitness, right? So I don't I don't look at this as being anything like woo woo. I try to demystify it, and I say if somebody wanted to get physically fit, they would learn about nutrition, they would learn about movement, they would learn about resistance training. So for me, it's the same thing. You would learn about meditation and calming the physical body. You would learn how to protect your energy through setting energetic boundaries. And then I would recommend that somebody uh, picks a tool, like a psychic tool in the kitchen, um, whether that be like astrology or, or a tarot, something that helps to give a symbolic language so that people could look at things differently, reflect on things differently. What about symbols themselves, such as uh, perhaps a, uh, a feather or a bird or a flock of birds? Sure. Uh, should sure. we be reading into that something that we, we might normally not do? You can. I mean, I think I, I refer to those as the ABCs of grief and connection. So the ABCs for me would be where people see patterns of things like birds and feathers and um, patterns of numbers like 1111 or people finding change, um, scents or smells, uh, songs on the radio or a repetitive pattern that keeps showing up and we go, oh, that's weird. Oh, that's weird. Oh, that's weird. It's not weird. It's not a coincidence. Coincidence is just when things coincide. This would be one of those things where it's like, okay, this is establishing a pattern. Now I have to see what is happening in the moment that that, that item is being put in front of me. What am I thinking? What am I feeling? What is the date? So you start to assess, right? And by the way, that's how astrology became astrology. People would discover a planet and then what they would do is they would look at what's happening on the planet globally. What, what age are we going through? So that when you know uh, Uranus was found, the, the world was going through a revolutionary kind of transition. So now those attributes were attributed to that planet. And then that's how it, so that's the bigger language of it, the small language. Of, you see a feather mom's around. John, uh, the effects of social media, how, how, have you, how have you seen that and how has it affected you and has it changed anything about the way you go about things? Yeah, I have a love-hate relationship for social media, like a real severe love-hate relationship. Like I feel like it's become, I have a cousin that works with me and, and you know, she said, you need to be on Facebook many years ago. And I was like, absolutely not. <laughs> I have spent in my entire life creating a, a wall between me and the client. I said, I need to protect that wall. I said, because once people start communicating about their family and stuff, I go, now that pierces the integrity veil. And I did this whole diatribe as to like why I don't want to be on Facebook. And she looked at me and she was like, yeah, you're going to have to put down, you're going to have to put down your abacus and pick up a calculator. She's <laughs> like, you know, it's the 2000s. Like you're going to have to like join the world. So I still refused, but she became my medium for social media. So she would be the person that would do it for me. Um, but now, you know, here we are in 2023 and I've launched a platform that is on social media called EvolvePlus.tv, where I'm able to do what I do, go live, answer people's questions. Matter of fact, we just launched a food channel called What's Cooking on it. So yeah, I'm, I'm very much into food. <laughs> what about coffee, John? You a coffee man? 
I'm not a coffee person. <laughs> it's so funny. You, you must be channeling my mom right now. <laughs> but when I was a kid, she used to be like, you need to learn how to drink coffee. And I'm like, yeah, but I don't like it. And she said to me, but you need to learn. I'm like, why do I need to learn how to drink coffee? And she finally got flabbergasted and went, what are you going to do? You're going to go on a date and have milk at night? She's like, what are you? And I was like, I don't like coffee, but I love the way it smells. There you go. We tend to be very, very particular and snobbish about our coffee here in Melbourne. We tend to think we do the best coffee in the world. Well, I must tell you, my daughter will tend to agree because <laughs> she, she's looking forward to a flat white. <laughs> what about a sweet tooth, John? Have you got a sweet tooth at all? Now you're speaking my language there, buddy. <laughs> ah, there now you're talking. <laughs> I love ice cream. Ah, uh, just ice chocolate. cream on its own? No, I like cookies and I like chocolate. and I, Like I can have donuts for breakfast, to be quite honest. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you're coming out for, uh, for shows in, uh, in October and November. Is much changed in, uh, in, in, in the arena of, of, of the show? I mean, just me, my experiences have changed. So I, I like, I feel like, you know, every year I'm doing this, there's like another layer, another level that's uh, hopefully I can go deeper and, and, and be better. And I'm hopefully a better speaker and teacher um, over the years where my job is to leave people better than I find them. And hopefully I'm able to do that. Are people, uh, because of the pandemic and because of what we've been through in the last, uh, you know, three or four years, are people more keen to, to, to find out things? Are they, are they more in tune, do you think, or is, have, we, have we jumped under the bed and hidden? I think both. I think some people don't really have, like my background comes out of healthcare, and I say this publicly, like, you know, I studied epidemiology, public health, and I'm a few credits short of a, a degree in healthcare and public administration. So when I was very vocal about, you know, the pandemic early on and mitigating and people, you know, protecting and listening to the astrologers saying the same thing, mitigation, mas mas wear masks and all that kind of stuff. People did not really want to hear that from me. They were like, literally the thing that was told to me was you need to stay in your lane. In other words, like go sit down, shut up and talk to dead people. Let, you know, let the politicians deal with this. And I was the person who's going like, well, they're not dealing with it. They're more interested in like corporate stuff and making life go back to normal. And I want to protect people, you know, and I still want to protect people. I'm, I'm, I'm still walking around masking in public and, and doing stuff because as much as the world wants this to be over, if anybody's listening to me, it's not. So there's a lot of immunocompromised people out there that really can't protect themselves and they need regular people to just think about them as well. John, when you're doing these shows and you've done so many and I've, you've obviously made so many uh, connections for people and, and there is um, you may, maybe an unexpected or a, or a profound connection and, uh, you know, the person on the receiving end is clearly overwhelmed by what they're hearing and, and maybe on some level even disbelieving. But how does that make you feel? It makes me feel really good because when you watch the lights go on in someone's eyes, when they recognize like, wait a minute, there's no way he would know this. There's no way that. And, and what that really translates to them is like, my person in spirit is still with me. My person in spirit sees that I've done this. Oh my God, they're, they're really still with me. That means that they're going to move forth in their life with an understanding that they're not alone and that they're still connected and that there's a survival of consciousness. So that's a pretty amazing feeling for me. And just finally, John, um, I'm interested to know your thoughts on uh, people who wonder about what's on the other side. What's your, your message to them? So every publisher wants me to write that book. Like what's the, what's the afterlife? Like, and I, I'm, I'm very... <laughs> I can only give you my perspective of looking at the door that we walk through. I don't feel like it's, I don't, I don't have, I don't feel proper that I could define the afterlife because I'm, I'm not there. Yeah. So 
my my sideline approach, you know, looking at it is just I believe it's a dimension. And I think depending upon the lessons that we learn here is we evolve back to that home place of connection in our consciousness. And it's kind of like a diamond that's multifaceted. And every every facet of the diamond might be another family member or a lifetime or that we're connected to. John, we want to thank you so much for your time. Uh, really appreciate it. Uh, and uh, wish you the best for the Australian Tour in October and, uh, and November. Thank you. Thank you very, very much. And if you guys are ever looking for a really cool food guest, we just put somebody on our on our channel. Her name is Franny Loves Food. Check her out on TikTok. Amazing homestyle Italian chef. Ah, beautiful. We will do. Thank you, John. Good on you, John. Yeah. Thanks for your time. Thank you. Thank you. You're listening to Food Bites with Sarah Patterson and Kevin Hillier. Most Whoa. fascinating. Most <laughs> fascinating. I found that incredibly uh, interesting, especially about the difference between men and women and their psychic abilities and at what times of a woman's life she has uh, the greatest intuition. Yeah. Yeah, you no, know, when she's hormonal, which kind of makes sense. Yeah, it does. No, it actually does. Uh, really interesting men. I think, the sh- that- I think those shows would be an absolute a fascination, whether you're, whether you're a believer or mm. whether you're not a believer. Uh, I think the shows would be. I know people have, who have been to the shows, and uh, to and and those people have been skeptics, and yeah. uh, have watched it unfold before their very eyes. Well, and, the funny um, thing about it is, he welcomes the skeptics. Yes, he, that's with, what I love with, with open arms. It's like, okay, no, come on, because yeah. I used to be one. I, I was by there. all means, yeah. question me, yeah, but just come and have a look. Don't judge and uh, see for yourself. Yeah. JohnEdward.net is the uh, is the website. He's touring uh, the end of October all through November, and tickets are available now to Great see him. Plug live. for the meat and wine company too. Yes. All right. <laughs> Let's get to our food poll for this uh, week. The cheesels versus the burgerings. Messy me. business. Messy uh, business. All right. Ah, uh, Vanessa will start us off with burgerings. Kate Stevenson says cheesels. Yes, in caps. One on each finger, then chomp. Yes, chomp, see, chomp, you put them chomp, on the fingers. Chomp, chomp, chomp. Steve, oh, Stephen Cheeseman. <laughs> yeah, not Stephen Quartermain. He, no. He comes up later. He says uh, it has to be cheesels. Cheese is good. I agree. Jane Holmes says cheesels. Jamie Duncan, cheesels every time. Old croaky burger rings. Carly Bonavia says, oh, that is a tough one. Burger rings for the taste, but cheesels for the tactility. Oh, there you go. <laughs> that means such, they feel good. <laughs> is there such a word? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Lisa Marie says burgerings. Lisa Marie came up with this very topic. Oh, good Terry you, Daniel says uh, cheesels, but he doesn't mind the burgerings too. Jizzy Bell says both, either, or, anytime. Yeah. Thank you. Rachel, cheesels for her. Hang on, my uh, my paper turning page yeah. uh, finger's gone. Uh, Karen Young says cheesels. Tina, cheesels. Michelle, cheesels. Kerry, cheesels. Uh, Taylor Ann says either. Either way, you get those horrible, cheesy little burger fingers. Well, that's true. You do. Nicole says cheesels all the way. Annie says cheesels with the cheesy stuff on your fingers. Lydia says nope, neither, yuck to both. Mervyn Gregory Hughes is in England, but he says cheesels. <laughs> Dr Joe Gara, if you don't mind, cheesels. Stephen Quartermain, see, I told you he was coming. No thanks, both are horrible. Oh, sometimes he's very, <laughs> he's very... Hmm. Definite about what he likes mm-hmm. and doesn't like. Jason says neither. They both taste like crap. Oh. Aiden says cheesels, but it's very close. Hinged burger rings. I'm eating faked flavors, and if I am eating faked flavors, I want a lot of them. Fair enough. Right. Karen says cheesels. Jack McPride month. There's burger rings. <laughs> I love the name. Easily. <laughs> the name just killed me. Jack McPride month. Yes. 
Uh, Kim says cheezels. Larry says, why do people waste their and everybody else's time setting up silly and pointless opinion polls <laughs> on subjects so hideously boring <laughs> it drives the rest of us to distraction? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Cheezels, yes. he says. And just to finish <laughs> off before you go to the vote, yes. I would just like to also give a shout-out to Stephen Tuzel who said, mm. do you even need to ask? The reason being, Stephen went to school with me and his nickname, Stephen Tuzel, was Cheezel. Oh, really? And is to this day. Do Should I ask how he got that nickname? Well, because his won't. surname sounds a bit like Cheezel. Oh, you okay. Get it? Yeah, yeah. No, I get Kevin's it. Kevin's five minutes it. behind the rest of the Now, there is, there is something about the, <laughs> the after when you've eaten them, that having it still on your fingers yes. uh, and the licking of the fingers and that, but it didn't help the burger rings. No. The burger rings came in with a very, very paltry 14%. Oh, woeful. Below both and neither, oh. which came in at 16%. Again. And the Cheezels have romped it in. The Cheezels have a 70% vote. Yes, I think somebody made the point that the Cheezels fit snugly on one's fingers. The burger rings, the holes are too big. Yet Adam Cooney famously uh, gave his uh, now wife um, a burger ring when he proposed. Right. He put a burger ring on her finger and said, will you marry me? And How she romantic said, is that? You, you cheap mongrel. No. <laughs> <laughs> no she said yes. Uh, so the, the Cheezels went out very easily. Mm. Which would you have? Cheezels, for Cheezels? sure. Yeah. I, I Someone who talked about the faked flavours. I mean, how can you fake a burger flavour? Well, no, they are. They're very – I think both uh, suffer from that, well, I that think very – what's the word? Um, the artificial? Lo- yes, the, the, the banana it's lollies like have the it too. It's the difference between cheese twisties and chicken twisties. Cheese I love. Yes. The chicken does not taste like chicken. It tastes like – it's got like some pork. sort of artificial <laughs> thing in it. Yes, it's got some funny thing going <laughs> nothing, on Nothing, yeah, nothing like chicken. Yeah, no, very funny. But uh, cheesels went out, so there you go. Burger okay. rings confined to the back part of the confectionery aisle. Thank you uh, to uh, John Edward for being on our program. We really uh, appreciated uh, his time. and he, he did a million interviews guest. when he was out here for his uh, for his promotional tour. Yeah, he was the, very gracious. And uh, we got some time with him, so really Absolutely. wrapped to get that. Thank you. Uh, don't forget the tour is October and all through November. Tickets available at uh, johnedward.net. Dot .net. No com. Dot .net. <laughs> <laughs> One more suggestion before we go, Kevin. Yes. Burger rings. Maybe here's an idea. You know how mm-hmm. I talked about putting anchovies in your salmon patties instead of the fish? Oh, here we go. Why don't you try putting burger rings on a burger instead of onion rings? What do you think? Oh, there's a reason we're off Broadway. <laughs> See you. <laughs> See you next factor. week. See ya. <laughs> Bye. Thanks for listening to Food Bites. Check out our Facebook page for recipes, tips and all the latest news. That's Food Bites with Sarah Patterson and Kevin Hillier.